0: John Hudson was a pretty prominent minister for uh, the Church of Scotland back in the late 19th century. And he was a prolific writer. And what was kind of interesting about Hudson, he used as uh, his pen name Ian McLaren. So if you want to find some quotes by Hudson, you have to Google up his his pen name. But he is, is famous for making this statement. Be pitiful, for every man is fighting a hard battle. In other words, be sensitive to those around us. Because every one of us, if we're not facing a hard battle now, have probably faced a hard battle at some point in our life or will in the future. And so to be very sensitive to who is around us and and to learn to be aware of of who is around us and what is going on in their lives because there is always an opportunity to encourage someone, to help someone, or to assist someone. This morning we want to continue uh, our theme based upon our... Uh, mission statement, our vision statement of Restore All Things. And I've titled this short series of lessons, It's Experiencing Heaven While on Earth. You know, we we often talk about uh, salvation as in the future. And and there is that aspect of of our salvation in the future. When uh, When Jesus comes again and we all go to heaven... And yet there is in the life and ministry of Jesus also that idea of beginning to experience life as God designed it now. And to begin to experience a little heaven on earth now. And for those of us who are present here this morning, we we can probably say we've experienced that because we have Jesus as our Lord and Savior. We're part of a wonderful church family here uh, at Lamar Avenue, but there are those in our community and those around the world who have very little hope, who are full of despair, who are full of discouragement for any number of reasons. And so as followers of Jesus, as disciples of the Christ... Uh, we should uh, have, as a part of our vision, uh, a sensitivity to those who need encouragement, those who, who need help, whether it is uh, a physical need, uh, an emotional need, uh, some kind of, of social need, if we have the ability and the opportunity to help, to be willing to reach out. Because as doing, in doing that we have an opportunity to to even make a bigger impact and and a bigger significance. And if they don't know Jesus, being able to share Jesus with them and welcome them uh, into uh, the family of God as they respond appropriately. So we are talking about restoring all things Responding to God's plan to restore all things to Him, we will purposely bring Christ's love and hope to our community and to the ends of the earth. And to this point in our uh, lessons from uh, the Gospel of Mark, we have emphasized uh, our mission work in Haiti. And last week we looked uh, at a story from Mark chapter 5, and we're going to continue to work through uh, Mark chapter 5 this morning. We, we saw that instance when Jesus uh, was uh, approached by a man who was uh, possessed by a number of demons, and Jesus took care of that need. And so the challenge to us uh, to reach out to the marginalized of our community, uh, to touch the untouchable, to seek to reach the unreachable. That's what we're talking about through this series of lessons. And uh, we'll we'll continue through this uh, series the next two Sundays, and we're going to have an opportunity uh, to hear uh, from some of those among us who have assumed some responsibility in leading some ministries under our Restore All Things prong of our vision uh, statement. But I want to go back to Mark chapter 5. And I want us to continue to work through uh, Mark chapter uh, 5. Seems to cover an approximate 24-hour period in the ministry of Jesus in which He displays His power over demons, disease, and death. The time frame actually begins in Mark chapter 4 and verse 35. If we... Jump back to that verse for just a moment. Uh, Evening has arrived. Jesus tells his disciples, let's get into a boat. Let's sail across the Sea of Galilee uh, to the eastern side. And as they're sailing across the Sea of Galilee during that night, a great storm or squall moves its way across the lake. The the boat is uh, threatened, and the disciples are concerned about their safety. Jesus is asleep in the boat. They wake him up, and he calms the storm. And their boat arrives on the eastern shore of the Sea of Galilee. And we covered that text last week when he is encountered by this man possessed by a number of demons. And we made the point last week that Jesus is now in predominantly Gentile territory. And so he has left the the comforts of of his Jewish community and his Jewish culture and he's traveled across the sea to a, a predominantly Gentile area again. Reaching out to the unreachable, touching and ministering to the untouchable. And upon concluding this uh, great healing of this man, uh, Jesus and his disciples uh, get uh, into the boat and go back across the sea. It's perhaps now uh, later in the morning. And upon arriving back on the western shore of the Sea of Galilee, uh, there's a great crowd awaiting. So let's pick up the story in uh, verse, uh, 20, uh, verse 22, excuse me, verse 21 of chapter 5 and uh, share the lesson for this morning. A large crowd followed and pressed around him. And so before Jesus is able to arrive at the home of Jairus and minister to his young daughter who is uh, so sick, this crowd gathers and begins to walk with, with Jesus. And it's such a large crowd that they're pressing around him. Uh, perhaps you've been in a circumstance like that, perhaps at a fair or an athletic event as, as you're trying to make your way someplace and there's this, this great crowd that gathers and you're all slowly kind of moving uh, as, as a mob, so to speak. I'm sure we've all been in those situations. And that's what Jesus is experiencing here. So let's now pick up the story and... Uh, This morning we're going to especially talk about uh, this woman who reaches out and touches Jesus in order to be healed. Let's read verses uh, 25 through 28 and read of the plight of this woman. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for twelve years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doc- doctors and had spent all she had, yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately, verse 29, her bleeding stopped. And she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. Now let me stop right there. Verses uh, 25 through 28 are, uh, in in the original Greek language, actually one long sentence. And I I looked at several uh, English translations and... Uh, no English translation translates it in a very literal sense uh, in that way. But here, here is the way Mark uh, describes this story. It's, he describes the plight of the woman through a string of seven participial clauses. Now, those of you who are kind of English nerds, and believe it or not, I was an English nerd once upon a time, but a participle in English is usually identified... Uh, through through a word ending in ing. So the first five participles are descriptive of her physical condition. And here is how it would read. Having a flow of blood for 12 years. Now, though the text does not specify the exact nature of her loss of blood, most likely it was related to uterine bleeding. That's what most scholars uh, kind of feel in what is going on here. And so, not only is she suffering physically, she would also be suffering socially. Uh, She would be considered ceremonially unclean. Anyone who touched her, based on Leviticus 15, would also be considered ceremonially unclean. If this condition began before she was uh, marriageable age, uh, she would not be married. And if it had occurred after she was married, she would have probably been divorced. And so she is at an economic risk as well. The text tells us that she has, she has spent and spent and still had not been uh, cured. But notice, her complicated condition creates a confidence in the Christ as the source of her cure. And it's all based upon what she had heard. But that's the first participle, having a flow of blood for 12 years. The next, suffering much under many doctors. Number three, spending all she had. Number four, not being helped. And finally, number five, growing worse. And so Mark strings together all of these participles to describe the plight that this woman is in. The final two participles are circumstantial, and it details what she does as her final hope. I mean, she is at the bottom of the barrel. There is nothing left for her to do. Hearing about Jesus and going in the crowd behind, we finally arrive at the main verb of this long sentence when it, when it says she touched his garment. Grasping the hem of someone's robe was an act of desperate appeal in Biblical and Near Eastern culture. And so again, in her mind, this is absolutely the last possible hope that she has. And we went ahead, and, or I went ahead and read verse 29, we encounter again the word immediately, which is used so often in Mark's gospel. I think we mentioned last week. Uh, The word is found 80 times in the New Testament. Forty of those occurrences are found in the gospel of of Mark, and it just illustrates how quickly things happened in the life and ministry of Jesus. So let's continue reading. Uh, Verse 30. At once, it's actually our word immediately again, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, Who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered, and yet you can ask, Who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. And so we read in these few verses the power of Jesus uh, going forth. The woman knew that she had been healed instantly and completely. Uh, The text literally says the fountain of her blood was dried up. I mean, it stops immediately. And the cure is immediate. And at the same time immediately, Jesus also knows that this power uh, has gone forth. And so he begins uh, to look around. And so finally, the story concludes uh, with this potential of faith. Uh, We see the power of faith because of the power of Jesus. Verse 33, Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. So we really have two primary characters with whom to identify in this story. The first is the woman, and then secondly is Jesus. And we should identify, I think, with both. Let's talk about the woman first. The woman exemplifies Biblical faith. She exemplifies what can happen when we trust in Jesus. And there might be uh, several uh, things we could identify about faith uh, from her example. I've, I've listed six. Number one, faith comes by hearing. I don't know if Paul had this story in mind when he writes that in Romans chapter 10, but if you go back, remember one of those participles that describes this process the woman went through. She had heard about Jesus. The word traveled fast in the first uh, uh, century culture, even though they didn't have cell phones and social media. Word had gotten out. And again, she's at... uh, The end of a rope, so to speak. She has heard about this man, Jesus. And she has heard about his power and his his ability uh, to heal. Obviously, a a, a man uh, blessed by God. And so faith comes by hearing. But secondly, faith goes to Jesus. This, This lady, this woman, acted upon what she had heard. And I, I think it's important for us to remember. Our faith is placed in the person of Jesus. It's, it's not placed in, in a doctrinal platform. It's not even placed in, in the churches we know it. Jesus is the one who died for us. And Jesus is our Savior. And so our faith goes to Him. It is placed in the person of Jesus. That's why throughout the Gospel of John, uh, Jesus would say, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And even so even truth is embodied in the person of Jesus. But not only does faith uh, go to, to Jesus, thirdly, it shows persistence. Again, this, this great Crowd, this great throng of people, this mob, if you will, uh, pressing upon Jesus. And I don't know where she began her journey. I I don't know where she was from. I don't know uh, when she uh, seized Jesus in the midst of this crowd if she had to fight her way through. I kind of get that impression. But she persisted because she was convinced that Jesus was her only hope. Number four... Faith overcomes fear. Again, she could have been afraid of a number of things. Uh, Afraid that the crowd would dispel her and not allow her through. Uh, Fear of, am I making the right choice here? But, But her faith in what she had heard about Jesus overcomes that fear. Number five, faith is embodied in action. Again, she acts upon what she has heard. And so she goes to Jesus, and she trusts in what she has heard. And so finally, faith opens the door to salvation. And so we have this beautiful picture, exemplified by this woman, of what faith is, of what saving faith is, biblical faith is, and why, why is it important? Because we may need that faith to fulfill the third prong of our vision statement. Because it's not always easy reaching out to the marginalized of our culture and society. It, it can be very difficult. We, we might have some fear to overcome. We might experience rejection uh, at first. And so we show persistence in reaching out and seeking to serve uh, our community or beyond, uh, such as a country like uh, Haiti. So we come to Jesus, and Jesus becomes our example of service. And that's really one word to describe this part of our vision statement i would say service right? again accepting the challenge to reach out uh, to those around us and i see three ways in this story that jesus exemplifies service first of all jesus served not only intentionally but also spontaneously now if you were here last week i, I made the point that i am convinced that when jesus got in the boat that evening It wasn't just an evening pleasure cruise. That he intentionally went across to the predominantly Gentile side of the Sea of Galilee. He did it on purpose, in other words. He was intentional about it. We we see other times in the public ministry of Jesus where uh, he intentionally does some things to reach people, to serve people, to minister to people. But this is an occasion where it just kind of happens, just just kind of spontaneously, again, because of of what this woman had heard about Jesus. He ministers. He he serves. And that can only happen if if we make ourselves available. Only make ourselves available. We, We don't retreat... We don't hide, we don't bunker down because we're so alarmed and afraid of culture. We make ourselves available. And when we do, God is going to open doors for us to just spontaneously serve. Uh, you, ever go, you, you, you ever have your list of things to do? And, and you're trying to work through your list of things to do. And, you know, unfortunately, on your list of things to do, you got to go to Walmart. And, and so, you go, so you, go, you go to Walmart, and you're focused upon what you're trying to get. And, and, and you're focused upon what you need. Maybe it's a grocery item. Maybe it's a hardware item. Maybe it's another pack of worms to fish with. You know, I don't know. Whatever it might be. And as you're going in, you you see somebody, there's an obvious need there, and you're thinking, oh, if I stop, there's going to be 30 minutes, you know. What I am trying to learn, sometimes I'm good at it, sometimes I'm not. I am still learning. As to look at those instances, uh, not, as, not as interruptions, but as opportunities to, that God has provided for me to spontaneously serve and minister in whatever small way I might be able to. Can, can we do that? I, I, I mean, don't we often see things that we encounter every day as simply interruptions? And, and maybe stepping back and thinking, okay, maybe God's the one that's intentionally interrupting my day so, so that I can just spontaneously give a cup of cold water in His name. And, and that's, that's an important thing to remember so that God and our Lord receive all the glory. So making ourselves available. And so that's why you will see me occasionally at Walmart. Seems to be a a great place. More times than not, when I go to Walmart, I'm I'm ministering to whoever the person is that is check, you know, taking my money because regardless, it seems they have had a bad day. And, And it's probably because someone has chewed them out or complained about something. Let's not be known as complainers and those who fuss every time we go to Walmart. I I just repented if you didn't pick up on that. I just responded before the invitation song's ever sung. But again, being available and being able to be spontaneous. You know, service doesn't always have to be planned. There are times for it to be intentional, as we saw last week. But then there are other times when it just kind of needs to happen. And that only happens when we make ourselves available. And then finally, notice how Jesus encourages this woman. He he doesn't just heal her and just kind of quickly dismiss her. He, he, He dialogues with her. He addresses her as daughter. You know, other occasions, such as John chapter 4... He addresses the female he encounters as woman. Here it is daughter, a very tender term. He commends the faith that she exemplifies. He tells her to to go in peace. And he concludes by by ratifying what has has taken place. And so it's, it's, it's as if Jesus is affirming her and, and just as we saw last week, uh, the, the man that Jesus healed of all the demons, you know, he sends him on a mission. And, and I think this is, this is the way Jesus affirms this woman to, to, to go in peace. Do you think she had a story to tell? Do you think she shared that story with others? Absolutely she did. And so after we serve and minister to people, to be, again, as encouraging uh, as, we, uh, as we can. Here's, here's the challenge. I mentioned a moment ago that this woman was at the bottom of the barrel, the end of the rope, whatever cliche phrase you want to use. She had nowhere else to turn. But her complicated condition creates this confidence in what she had heard about Jesus as the source for her cure. And and so, in in the same way, we're we're back to that question that we asked last week. You know, what what are we known for in our community? Are, Are we known as a place where people who have heard about Jesus can experience Him? I mean, someone has, someone has said, speaking of cliches, you know, uh, you may be the only Bible a person ever reads. And it, and it is kind of cliche-ish, but it's true. And, and so this challenge of people seeing Jesus living within us, and, and when, when they need help, when they need emotional support, if, they need, if they're hungry, if they need a visit, if, if they need help being cured of some disease... You know, will they think of Christ's people? And will they think of, of Jesus at this place, being a place that they can encounter the risen Lord? This morning I was looking at social media, sh- social media really early. And I don't follow this person. I did a little research. And it, it, be- it became what I found, I think, the perfect conclusion... To this lesson. It was retweeted by someone I follow, and so it became a part of my uh, Twitter feed. It was tweeted out by a man named uh, Carlos, Carlos A. Rodriguez. He is a minister in Raleigh, North Carolina. He's originally from Puerto Rico, and not only does he preach and minister in North Carolina, but he leads groups regularly to his native Uh, island of of Puerto Rico, which, as we all know, devastated by a hurricane in the past several months, and he's rebuilding homes. And, in in fact, if you go to his Twitter feed, his little handle is, hey, come with me to Puerto Rico and build a house. And he tweeted this out yesterday. Dear church... Stop gathering around the name of Jesus while ignoring the ways of Jesus. Remember the poor. Visit the prisoner. Feed the hungry. Clothe the naked. Welcome the stranger. Deliver the oppressed. Serve the least and rise for the marginalized. He waits for us there. May this community and beyond see Jesus living so powerfully within us that there will be this attraction to our Lord and Savior. And we can even more so become known as a place that people can come to for emotional support, spiritual support, physical support. If they're sick, they can get medicine. If they're hungry, they can find a meal. They can find something to eat. And so let's just not gather in the name of Jesus unless we are also willing to practice the ways of Jesus. Let's stand and sing.